Thank you, Keith. My uh, younger son, William, is 14 years old, and he really enjoys reading about Greek mythology. He, uh, he likes learning about it, reading books from that time period and that are set in that context. And so if for nothing else, for his benefit alone, I have to begin my lesson this morning with giving, just giving you some really interesting background to this text. Of course, William's not here. He's at the youth retreat, but he will get on church center later and uh, listen to it. There's a great link right there on church center to listen to it later if you want to listen to it again as well. Um, Two weeks ago, we left Paul and his companions in Philippi. Now, Philippi is located in Macedonia, which is a region in northern Greece, And so the Greek religion and the mythology of the Greek gods was very prevalent in this region. The most high God for the Greeks was Zeus. He was the the thunder God. He was the sky God. He ruled as king over all the other gods on Mount Olympus. Well, another one of the Greek gods was Apollo. Apollo was the son of the most high God, Zeus. And was considered to be the most beautiful of all the gods. He was recognized as a god of archery, as a god of poetry, as a god of music and dance, and as the god of oracles. Now, oracle is not a word that we use often, at least I don't. But it's simply a Latin word which means to speak. And it was used by the Greeks as a word to describe any divine communication. Whenever one of the gods would speak to the people, that was called an oracle. And Apollo was the god of oracles. And the most renowned place to receive an oracle from Apollo was at Delphi. When Apollo was searching for a location to have a temple to give his oracles from, he decided on Delphi. Uh, as as the, is the case in most Greek myths, In order to establish the temple there of Delphi, he first had to defeat this monstrous dragon who was named Python, literally in the Greek. His name was Python. So he killed the dragon with his arrows, established his temple, and it became known as the Oracle at Delphi. And at this Oracle at Delphi, at this temple, there would be a young woman from Delphi who would serve as the priestess at the temple. And she was called the Pythia, P-Y-T-H-I-A, named after the dragon Python that Apollo had defeated. She lived there permanently at the temple. And when it was time for an oracle, the Pythia, this young woman who was named the Pythia, would enter into this trance-like state and would utter what was thought to be the divine words of Apollo. Now, that's way more than you ever want to know about the oracle at Delphi. William will enjoy that later on today sometime. But here's why that that's very important to this story. That background is helpful to our understanding about what's going on in our text today. 
If you haven't already, open up to Acts chapter 16. Here in verse 16 of Acts 16, Luke tells us that Paul and his companions were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now, if you had the Greek text in front of you, which some of you might, and you can double-check me on this, then you would read in the Greek that this slave girl had a pneuma, which is the Greek word for spirit. We get the study of the Holy Spirit is pneumatology. And so it, you, this, this slave girl had a pneuma pythona, which is as it sounds. She had a spirit of a python. That's what the Greek text says. Now, most English translations, instead of going into all the background context that I just did, just choose to put spirit. She has a spirit. However, literally, Luke tells us that this young girl has a spirit of a python, which, because you now know the context, she has a spirit like the Pythia from the renowned oracle at Delphi. Now, that's fascinating to me. And I think it really helps give us some important background information about why this interaction here is such a significant one. Listen, Paul and his companions are not looking for any trouble. There's no synagogue in Philippi for them to attend. They recognize if they just went out on the street corners and started preaching, that would most likely get them thrown into prison. So they learn about a place of prayer outside the city gates, down by the river, away from the city. And on a previous Sabbath day, they'd gone to this place and met Lydia. We learned about Lydia last time we were together. And here in verse 16, they're headed back to that same place, most likely on the, on the following Sabbath day. Again, outside the city walls, down by the river, to the place of prayer. But on their way, they're met by a slave girl who had a spirit of a python. Luke tells us because of this spirit, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Now, again, this is way more than y'all asked for this morning, but it's it's so interesting to me, but... This Greek word here at the end of verse 16 that's translated as fortune-telling, it will also become the word that's used to describe ventriloquism, the art of ventriloquism. Now, everybody knows what ventriloquism is, right? I had a little puppet up here. I was like, hello, my name. Right? I'm sending my voice over here to the voice of the puppet. That's ventriloquism. If you watch America's Got Talent, you... Every year, there's somebody on there. You've seen that. Anyway, it's the art of transferring my voice into the voice of a puppet, right? Well, this is, this is how the Greeks would have understood. This is why it's important to point this out. This is how the Greeks would have understood what's going on with this slave girl who has this Pythian spirit. You see, because she was known to have this kind of spirit, any word she uttered, would have been thought as the very words of Apollo being spoken through her, just like a ventriloquist would speak through a puppet. 
And so the Greek people would have given unlimited amounts of money. They, Luke tells us she made her owners lots of money because they wanted to hear the prophecies and the oracles spoken through her because they would have believed and understood them to be the very words of the God of oracles himself, Apollo. Well, in verse 17, we see that she follows them around. Wherever they went, Paul, wherever Paul and his companions go, there she is. She's shouting these words. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so deeply troubled, um, and, and this is not just being annoyed, if your translation says annoyed. This isn't just Paul being annoyed. This is Paul being grieved. This is Paul being dismayed. As we will see, he's deeply troubled both by her situation and by her message. And so he turns around and he says to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And Luke tells us that at that very moment, the Spirit leaves her. Awesome. Right? What a powerful story. Paul speaks this incredible statement to the spirit in the girl. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. You know, I have thought a lot this week about this statement, about these words spoken by Paul. And because of these words spoken by Paul, I want to ask you a question this morning, and I really want you to think about it. I want you to take a moment and think about it. Here it is. How many times have you spoken the name of Jesus this week? It's Sunday, so let's say last week. It'd be easy if I said this week, right? But think back on last week. How many times did you speak the name of Jesus? I want you to think about that question. A while back, I was at a worship event with several hundred Christians. And we sang worship songs, and there was a speaker, and there was a prayer. In the name of Jesus was not mentioned one time. I'm not making that up. I, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked, but more than anything, I was just deeply troubled. I thought, what's going on? Listen, I have one takeaway from my lesson today. If you don't take any other notes, write this down. Are you ready? Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
Brothers and sisters, there's no shame in his name. You know, we live in a day when outside of the walls of this building, you hear his name spoken more often as a curse word than as a proclamation of his holy name. We've got to reclaim his name. You know, maybe you just prefer to show the love of Jesus through your actions and only speak the name of Jesus when necessary. Maybe you think I'm making too big a deal about it and that it's just semantics. Why do we need to speak the name of Jesus more? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Barrett. Because with the rest of my lesson, I want to answer that question for you by giving you three reasons as to why we must speak the name of Jesus more. Number one, we speak the name of Jesus because we submit our lives to his authority. These are all in your sermon notes. But that's number one. We speak the name of Jesus because we submit our lives to his authority. Our text this morning is not just about Paul healing a slave girl. It's about Paul showing up in Greece. In Greece. In the heart of the land of the Greek religion. In the mythology of the Greek gods. And stepping onto the shore and declaring that his God is greater than the Greek gods. You see, this is a confrontation between the son of the most high God of the Greeks, whose name was Apollo, and the true son of the most high God of the universe, whose name is Jesus. Paul turned around and spoke these words to the python spirit. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And Luke says, at that very moment, the spirit left. Didn't ask any questions. Didn't stop and ask for directions. Got out. That was on his home turf. You see, this has to do with authority. What's happening here has to do with authority. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 28 that all authority has been given to me. Isn't that wonderful? The Father, this is what Scripture teaches. This is what Jesus tells his disciples. The Father has given all authority to his Son. So Jesus has all authority, even over the Spirit that was controlling this girl's life. This, this python spirit, this spirit that was thought by the Greeks to be the very voice of the God Apollo, left the very moment the name of Jesus was spoken. 
I've told you about my dog. I love my dog. Um, not my dogs. I'm not going to talk about my dogs. Wouldn't do that. I know better. I know better. We're in Lexington, of all places. But I've got a dog, and uh, his name is Hero. He's two years old, and uh, he's our first family dog, and um, we just love him. Um, and what's fun about Hero is just watching how he interacts with all the different people in our family. It's, you know, we, we got Hero while Bailey, our daughter, was off to college, and so he still doesn't really know her very well and acts real weird anytime she comes home. JP's his best friend. Uh, he protects, he's a protector of Karen and Milbrianne. Like, he protects the girls. So, like, if, if they're in the room, like, you can't go near them when he's around. Uh, and then William's just kind of like his playmate, you know. He, he has no, he thinks William's a dog, basically. You know, they roll around in the floor, and he respects William zero. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm the alpha male in his life. I'm the guy. And uh, if I say jump, Hero wants to know how high. That's our relationship. Uh, and it's been that way from the outset. Um, Hero will have something in his mouth, and he's not supposed to, and he won't drop it for anyone else. But when I say Hero, drop it, it's immediate. He doesn't think twice about it. He doesn't stop and ask for directions. He drops it. There's even been a time or two uh, when Hero's had something in his mouth he's not supposed to, and he won't drop it for anybody else. And I'm not home, but I'm on the phone. Put it on speakerphone. Hero, drop it. Immediate. Now, it's even the voice through the phone gets him to drop. And then the best, most recently, this one's really good. The best is when I'm not at home and I'm not on the phone and Hero has something in his mouth that he's not supposed to and he won't drop it. Karen just says, bear it. And I promise you, I'm making this up. He drops it <laughs> immediately. Just at the sound of my name. You see, it has to do with authority. It's about authority. Do you see what's happening? So much so that even at the sound of his name, Spirits obey. Paul would later write to the church at Philippi. The letter was most likely delivered to Lydia's house, we've learned, right? He'd later write the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Listen, Jesus has been given the name that is above every name. In a day's coming, when every knee will bow at that name. A day's coming when every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. 
So we speak the name of Jesus today because we submit our lives to his authority. When we speak the name of Jesus, we're submitting our lives to his authority. That's the first thing, first reason. Number two, second, we speak the name of Jesus because we want to live without any ambiguity. Because we want to live without any ambiguity. You know, in this story, when you first read the message that the slave girl is shouting, it sounds pretty good, right? Sounds, it sounds like a good one. After all, she's shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So what's wrong with that? Sounds good. The problem is the Greeks in Philippi are not going to think that the servants of the Most High God mean that Paul and his companions are servants of the God of Abraham, the one true God. They're not going to connect those dots. Instead, they're going to think she means the servants of Zeus. In addition, they're not going to think that the way to be saved means a way to be rescued from sin and death. Instead, they're going to think she means maybe just a better way to live or better health or greater prosperity. So there's a problem. Her message was ambiguous. It was not clear. And I think the same thing happens today. If we do not speak the name of Jesus, our message can sound good, but be just as ambiguous, especially in our pluralistic society that we live in. I was recently over here at Joseph Beth. Love just going hanging out over there and walking through the book section. But I, I was over, if you know where the Christianity section is there at Joseph Beth, and I picked up a book uh, by a well-known author. It's in the Christian spirituality section. And the language of the book was very moral, and it was very spiritual, And it all sounded really, really good. The only problem is there was no Jesus. I don't know how else to describe it. But he was not to be found. You know, people talk about believing in God. People talk about praying to a higher power. People talk about being spiritual. But I want to make something very clear this morning. Jesus Christ is my everything. He's my everything. All my eggs are in his basket. Without Jesus, I'm nothing. It's Jesus or bust for me. Peter would say, In Acts chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 12, he said, know this, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Salvation is found in no one else, 
For there's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. Peter was crystal clear with his message. And so why speak the name of Jesus more? We speak the name of Jesus because we want to live without any ambiguity. I want people to know that I'm a Jesus person. I'm a follower of Jesus. You know, even the term Christian has become to mean something else in our world today. Follower of Jesus. He's my king. When he says go, I go. Third, we speak the name of Jesus because we desire to see his liberating activity. We desire to see his liberating activity. You see, Paul was not only troubled by the ambiguity of this girl's message, but he was burdened by her living situation. He was burdened. You see, out of his compassion for this young girl, who was, who was in fact doubly enslaved, not only was she oppressed by this spirit, but she was being victimized by her masters, right? She, they didn't consider her a person. They thought she was their property. And it was so troubling to him that he couldn't just keep ignoring her. And so he speaks the name of Jesus into her life in order to liberate her from her bondage, in order to set her free. I love the thinking, most scholars think, because this story is put right here in between the conversion of Lydia and in between the conversion of the jailer, which we'll look at next week, that they believe, they think that Luke purposefully put that here, even though we don't talk, it doesn't talk about her being converted, but that she became part of the church there in Philippi. Oh, wow. Lydia, this young slave girl, this jailer. Paul speaks the name of Jesus into her life in order to liberate her from her bondage. Uh, Several years ago now, Karen and I had the opportunity to hear the founder of IJM, which stands for International Justice Missions, speak at a conference. Gary Hogan is his name. Um, But it was just awesome. It was awesome. And uh, if you're not familiar with International Justice Missions, it's a Christian organization that partners with local authorities all around the world to combat human trafficking and slavery. They focus uh, primarily on violence against women and the exploitation of children and it's an awesome organization. It just really does great work in the name of Jesus. And one of the things, I'll never forget that this founder, he said, is that he spoke about his desire to see the liberating activity of Jesus in our world today. His desire to see the liberating activity of Jesus in the world today. Do you desire to see that? I do. I desire to see the liberating activity of Jesus Christ in our world today. And here's what this text teaches us. 
This text teaches us when we speak the name of Jesus, people are liberated from whatever binds them. You see, Jesus is in the business of setting people free. And when we speak the name of Jesus, it's like walking into a dark room and turning on the lights. Do you remember what the angel of the Lord said to Joseph? The angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. For he will set his people free from their sins. Here's what I believe. When we speak the name of Jesus, people are set free from sin. When we speak the name of Jesus, people are delivered from depression. When we speak the name of Jesus, people are released from their anxieties. When we speak the name of Jesus, people are set free from their fears. And so we speak the name of Jesus because we desire to see his liberating activity in our own lives. We desire to see that in the lives of, the, of those we love. We desire to see that in the lives of our neighbors, in the lives of our coworkers, in the lives of the students across the street on the campus. And so we speak the name of Jesus. We're going to watch a little video together this morning. Um. And then I'll come back up and conclude our time. Uh, But this is just, uh, it's it's a song that many of you are going to be familiar with. Um, It's a worship video. It's a worship song. Um, it's, it's, It's one that I've had on repeat all week. And uh, here's really what I want to happen this morning. I just want, I want the words of this song, if you will allow them to, to minister to you. Wherever you are, I just want the words of this song to minister, allow these words to be spoken into your life, into your heart, and however you need to respond. You need to just bow your head, close your eyes. If you need to stand up, if you need to raise your hands, look, you you have my permission, but most importantly, I just want you to let these words minister and speak into your life this morning. Let's watch this together.
Speak the name of Jesus because we submit our lives to his authority. I'm going to take this off. Just for a review. We speak the name of Jesus because we submit our lives to his authority. We speak the name of Jesus because we want to live without any ambiguity. And we speak the name of Jesus because we desire to see his liberating activity. Why speak the name of Jesus more? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I I speak the name of Jesus over every heart and mind because I know there is peace in your presence. And so I speak Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus over fear. Father, I know in this room that there are people who are bound by their fears. And so I speak the name of Jesus over those fears. 
And I speak the name of Jesus over all anxiety. I know with war happening worldwide, I know it's just all of our own things that we have going on in our life that there's anxiety. And so this morning I speak the name of Jesus over all anxiety. Lord, I know that there are people in this room who are held captive by depression. You know, COVID did a number on many of us, and some of us still haven't recovered. And so I speak the name of Jesus over all depression. Fathers, there's sins in our lives. There's habitual sins, big and small. Some are passed down generationally to us. Some we've picked up on our own. But we're we're, we're bound by them. We've tried for years to stop doing them. Father, I speak the name of Jesus over those sins. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you will release people who are bound by their sin. Lord, we speak the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, the Father has given you all authority. I ask that you will pour out your Holy Spirit. Set your people free. And it's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. This morning, if there's anyone here in the room who um, has not made Jesus their Lord and Savior, I love how Peter, Peter calls upon the prophet Joel at Pentecost, and he says, all who call on his name will be saved. And so this morning... If you have not called on the name of Jesus, if you've not come and repented of your sins and publicly put him on in baptism, we would love to be a part of that in your life this morning. Let's sing this song of invitation as we stand and sing.